Thinking Basketball Podcast. My name is Ben. Welcome back to another episode. And today, uh, it's one of my favorite episodes of the year to do every year. It is time for the official, unofficial Thinking Basketball sub All-Stars. That's where we breeze our way through All-Star level players. We don't care about the fact that you only need 24 of those. And then we make a team of the next tier of players, the guys just not quite good enough, the almost stars. Maybe you could have them in, maybe you could have them out. Some of the most important players in the history of basketball, the third and fourth and fifth starters on quality teams that win you championships that don't get the little star next to their name on basketball reference. Cody, I'm already fired up for this. It is sub all-star time. This is, yeah, there's there's one player. I mean, I'm going to say Drew Holiday's name right now because the fact that he has 10 years, a 10-year gap between those stars next to his name, just don't give enough credence to how valuable this guy's been to high-level teams. And I think this is this is the best space to celebrate those kinds of players that don't get that star. That's, that's a great way to call this out. Yeah, uh, it's funny you mentioned Drew Holiday because he was on the sub-All-Star team a couple years ago, and then it's just like I have him as an All-Star for <laughs> for too many years, and it's interesting that he's only made uh, two official All-Star teams a decade apart. But um, before we get into this year's team, the way we do this is we blast through the All-Star players. We'll get to kind of the cutoff we'll start with well we'll let you pick Cody we'll do the big men in the league we'll do the wings and we'll do the small players we'll we'll kind of break it up by rough size or position we all know positions are meaningless now uh, but we'll we'll organize the players that way and when we get into each position or category we'll blast through our all-stars and then when we hit these borderline players the conversation will begin Who's in? Where do they fall? Who makes the team? Who are the final cuts? That's how we'll do it. But I think we should mention right out of the gate uh, that I am more interested in something like who I would rather have on my team in a playoff setting looking forward, like a forward-facing concept of where the player is right now based on what I've seen, based on what I know about them, versus hey, this guy's on this specific team and he has the worst backup under the sun and the entire team is built around his talent and therefore his numbers look great and his value number, you know, his plus minus and his impact metrics and all that stuff look amazing and how could you not say he's an all-star or a sub-all-star? If that's a spectrum, Cody, from like who has better numbers on their team to who is kind of hot and playing well right now, to who would I rather have going forward, I lean toward the latter. I'm more interested in your quality as a player where I could just drop you in a playoff series coming up in the next two months and see how how much you're going to help a team win a championship. You know, you're talking about a player having a, a team built around him and maybe the backup not being so good. You didn't have to come at Jokic this early. You know, you didn't have to call out his his statistical case at this point. It's, it's, it's a little too hot. Well, it's funny point. you say that because I think that applies to uh, a player who, shall we say, has Jokic-isms. Mm. Mm. Just going to leave that out there as a teaser. 
Before we get to all that, though, uh, I don't want to spend as much time clearing our throats as we did last year. I think we spent like a healthy half an hour just talking about what it means to be an all-star. But just, you know, just to get it going a little bit, what do you, what kinds of skills do you think constitute as being good that carry over to the playoffs? I know we've talked about the sort of thing before, but now just to have it here at the beginning of this episode, what kinds of things do players do on the court that you're like, yep, that's going to hold in the playoffs? Well, it's the usual. I care about your... Your man defense, your help defense, your switchability, your awareness on that end on offense. How much of a playmaker are you? What is what is what's your passing like? Um, live dribble passing, extra passing. Your kind of understanding and feel for where to move and how to play the game. Isolation scoring, movement, offensive rebounding, role threats. Um, just all the good stuff that makes you a player. And when we talk about the all stars and we talk about the best players in the world. Those guys are usually sort of like mutants in certain categories. They're the king of the. They have superpowers. When we get to all like sub all stars, we usually don't see superpowers, but we're often looking for guys that maybe have one thing they're really good at, or they're a brown belt in a couple areas. But the totality of it isn't quite enough to me to be like a top twenty or top twenty five player in the league. So that, that's that's what we're talking about today. I remember. I don't remember what this was. This is one of those like viral things that goes around social media, but it's like fitting in the things that are important in your life. And if you start with like the little things, you know, you fill your little jar with sand, you're not able to take the important things like the golf balls and jam it in there. There's no space. But if you start with the golf balls, the important things in your life and fill up the jar, there's enough space for all the sand. And the all stars here are the sand that's able to fill the gaps to fill your jar up. Wait, 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 wait a second. What are you doing? Are, are, are you saying at your house you got a lot of jars with golf balls and sand? Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, I take every metaphor in my life and I make it into reality. I'm like, I look at these jars and I think, yep, my golf balls in my life are lined up and everything's great. Oh, that was a metaphor. Okay. Um, <laughs> where do you want to start? You want to start with smalls? You want to start with wings? Or do you want to start with bigs? So last year, we started off with bigs and we seemed to uh, spend a long time on them. Do you want to start there again? Because I, I like bigs, Ben. I'm a bigs guy. You know, I like talking about the bigs. That's that's where I want to start today. You mean you just want to get the hot takes and the crazy hot sauce right out of the gate? You want the angry grams to start coming? We'll, we'll start with the least controversial category, the big men. That's exactly it. Okay, so for me, uh, all-star level players right now who are bigs, uh, Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis... Giannis Antetokounmpo, Zion Williamson, Demonis Sabonis, Jaron Jackson Jr., mm. and Bam Adebayo. And I will, I will stop there, and I will say, Bam was the last one that I, I, I still feel like he's like an all star. But when I got to Bam, that's when I started to be like, oh, okay, this is interesting because now you're getting more similar to where I might have some of the sub all star players. So Bam's interesting being at the tail end because I, I feel like just watching him, the defensive prowess isn't quite what I remember it being the last couple of years. Like, I think he was a defensive player of the year sort of candidate in a lot of people's eyes. I don't quite see that, and I don't hear that conversation going as much. And offensively, it still feels like he's essentially the same that he's been uh, since they've switched over to more of a pick-and-roll hero Butler sort of offense. Uh, so I don't know. Do you think that he's a step lower than he's been the last couple of years here? No, no, I think it's similar. I've just never been huge on Bam. Um, I think a lot of people have talked about him like a top 15 player, and that's a little too high for me. And it, it's kind of complicated because on one hand, everything that people who are high on Bam espouse, 
I, I kind of jibe with. I'm like, okay, I see that. I just probably see it at like 80 or 90% of what they see it as. Mm. And offensively, I have more concerns because he he's someone who I feel like the more you play through him offensively, the less great your offense is going to be like, that's just not an idealized role for me. So the constant stuff where, especially now um, with, with so many of the other players in the league, Demonis Sabonis, Nikola Jokic, Alperin Shengun, just a ton of guys who can play in the middle of the floor and play two man, three man DHO uh, elbow cutting, top cutting sort of offensive hub style so much better. And I feel like how, how long's Bam been in the league? 16, 17 seasons. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I legitimately don't know. It feels he, like it's been forever, though. I think he's young, but also has. It feels like he's just been around forever. Um, I, I, I like. I want his jumper to be a little bit better. He goes to that like twelve foot sort of rise up move when he gets in the middle of the paint. Can't quite get all the way to the basket. So there's just little things with me that make me not quite as excited as those who maybe would be like he's the fifteenth or seventeenth best player in the league, but. I do think when you look at his defense and some of the things we're talking about, it's an all-star. The, so, the, yeah, go ahead. Those are the only players that make your your all-star qualifier. Because there's a couple no, names. I'm, or... No, I'm saying there's 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 one more mm-hmm. that now we need to discuss. Okay. Um, <laughs> this this gets this gets really interesting because I I've been going back and forth all day trying to figure out like when you make this team at the end of the year or at the end of this podcast, and then it's, then it becomes the 2023 sub all-stars and you look back, this is the fifth time we've done it, which is going to feel this, this silly dichotomy of like having to put this player on one side of the line or another, which is going to feel right. The player I'm talking about, Cody is Utah jazz all-star Lowry marketing, who is a really, really interesting player right? He's just kind of a fascinating player. He's an insane shooter. He's big, but kind of plays this like movement off ball game. I love the fact that he doesn't really take up a lot of oxygen in the room. You can just leave him off ball, play pick and pop, excuse me, play pick and pop for him, set flare screens. He'll go in and get an offensive rebound. He tacks closeouts like, like, like an angry dude. He's, he tries to dunk on people all the time. So I just love this kind of like complimentary package. Then you look at his scoring numbers. <laughs> he scores like Dirk Nowitzki. It's like, I don't know how, wh- like watching him and looking at his scoring numbers don't entirely add up to me because he just, they don't need to run like a lot of offense through him. This isn't like a guy where you give it to him and he's got this insane bag in the middle of the floor and, um, I don't know. I just, I really like that. The flip side is he is pretty limited as a passer. He doesn't do anything much besides what sort of what I just laid out in that scouting report. And then the one for me that kind of has me like, do I think this guy's going to be a multi-time all-star? Is he a solid all-star level player right now? How does this value translate is the defense. I just don't have a great feel for it. So if you're in Utah and you're like, or in Finland probably is more likely to <laughs> probably more likely to have <laughs> listeners in Finland, you're like, Lowry is absolutely an all-star level player. Um, I, I don't think I would push back really. I just don't have a great feel for that sort of how that defense fits in different playoff scenarios in terms of 
putting him on one side of this line or another because he is in that range to me. He's kind of like a borderline all-star type of player to me. I'm glad you called out the driving game because I feel like that's kind of the thing we saw more flashes of the last couple of years where it was always the shooting. It's like we want you to be a little bit more of a shooter for what position you do, and it's all kind of come together. And you you referenced the, the ridiculous scoring numbers, Ben. So right now, he's scoring just about 26 points per 75 on plus nine efficiency, okay? For those <laughs> of you that nine. don't know exactly what that means, I scaled that back just a little bit, and I searched for everyone in the league right now that is scoring 25 points on plus eight. You know plus how many eight, players? Meaning, meaning eight, eight true shooting percentage points better than league average, which is which is what, Cody, like the 90 something percentile. It's something like that. Very few players are able to do that, especially on volume. There's four players that are doing 25 plus eight relative true shooting percentage. Care to guess the other three? Uh, what were the what were the cutoffs? Twenty five, twenty five points per 75 plus eight. Well, Kevin Durant is definitely one of them. Yep, that's one. I would guess Jokic is the other, another one. That's two. And then plus eight. We need plus eight. Uh, is Curry? Curry's the other one. Okay. So when you're when we're talking about how good of a scorer is, he's in a list with Nikola Jokic, Stephen Curry, and Kevin Durant. And I know you referenced some of the other things like, yeah, the passing game is is really not where you'd want it to be. And defensively, it's weird because he's a big, so you kind of can get to neutral defensively easier than if you're a, a little guy, if you're a guard or something like that that doesn't have a ton of defensive skills. So that's able to maybe buoy his game a little bit more. But when your scoring game is that good, like, man, that's about how good of a score you need to be if you're going to get to this category without some of those other elements. Well, and, and the fact that the scoring game is that good right now is another question mark for me because he's at like 46 or 47 percent on wide open threes this season coming off a three-year stretch at 41 percent so I definitely trust that he's an elite shooter I love this style of play but I just wonder like if you scale that back a little bit are we going to be coming back a year from now and even in the similar system having a similarly healthy year those scoring numbers that you just referenced are like 25 plus 5 instead of 26 or 27 plus 9 still to me that would put you in this category if, if if we were absolutely dead set certain that he was like a 46 percent wide open three-point shooter long term and this is what you get when you kind of allow him to play in this style um, I think that scoring could be absolutely good enough to to get you to an all-star without really being a very potent defensive player because like you said he is a big body and so you know maybe it's one of these things Cody when I take a take a look at him in more depth later in the season I feel a lot more clarity but you also have to remember the players in the league are so good right now the offense is so good right now everything is a little inflated no matter how much you adjust for it that it's gonna feel weird it's like Charles Barkley's fave five how he kept having like 16 people in his fave five <laughs> At a certain point, it just doesn't make sense to say there's like 47 All-Stars in the NBA. I do think the talent is more rich than ever, but the fact that it's offensively centric and we have all these numbers, it's going to make it feel like more players than ever are getting squeezed. And I actually felt this making the teams because players that I've had as All-Stars in the past, I'm like, no, nah, I can't. I can't. I can't have 37 All-Stars. Like, I think at a certain point relative to league talent, you're losing a little bit, and we're going to get to these guys right now. Just like, nah, I've got, I've got to put you on the sub-all-star side of the line this year. I, I want to know who you're going to say for this, because there's, there's at least one name you've talked about at least last year that, that you didn't say yet, and I want to hear your take on him. Carl Anthony Towns. 
is mm-hmm. is the player who is on the sub all star side of the line for me. Was that who you were thinking of? I actually was thinking of somebody else, but I did want to bring up Towns. Oh, I know who you're thinking of. Yeah, he I came up in another thinking. episode where we were talking about uh, young players that we really like. I I think I know who you're thinking of because I think you are a a huge fan of him. It is uh, Rudy Gobert Midwest, Jared Allen. Is that who you're thinking of? That's exactly who I'm yeah. thinking of, Ben. So yeah. who, do you, who do you want? To, you want to talk about Towns? You want to talk about Allen right now, or both? Um, let's stick with Allen because we landed on him. I to me, he was in this similar space last year, and I went on the All Star side of the line. Um, I think to some degree with Allen, and and we'll get to this in a second with someone else as well. I think what's happening with the change of the league, with the incredible offensive efficiency, with the tactics that we've talked about in the last few episodes, we had a great enhanced podcast episode on on YouTube this week, looking at more of the 45 cuts and movement and quick actions. And it was about Cody's observation about the, the sort of phasing out of the triple threat. I think with that, and the DHO actions and the constant screening and the constant movement and the insane shooting. I do think a player like Jared Allen, uh, his value, that that true drop center value, I think it's going down just a little bit. And that was enough for me to be like, okay, I'm going to put you on the other side of the line. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I want to stick on this point that you brought up because it's going to be relevant for a couple of other players that we bring up because there's another guy that I want to bring up that's in the same vein of being like a mega rim protector, good defensive player, high efficiency score type of person. But you just said that maybe the value of the drop big paint protector is not quite as high as it's been. Is that because that there aren't quite as many contested shots that that offenses are better at drawing out these defenders from the the paint to get the shots near there like what do you think is contributing to the uh the lessening of the value of the drop big well the game isn't as stationary so it requires covering more of the court it requires more horizontal movement getting around screens more switching in spots it's it's harder i think to have the exact same um, if you think about the drop and sort of the idealization of the drop. It's spread, pick, and roll without having to send extra help. It's just like, hey, if once we push you inside the three-point line, if you want to shoot from like 8 to 23 feet, be our guest. Otherwise, welcome welcome to Brooke Lopez land. Um, I guess I should spoil it. Brooke Lopez is, is the next big in my uh, sub-all-star list here but you know that's that's the idea right it's like the second use you put five skilled ball handlers on the court are four or five players who can handle shoot move screen cut and attack closeouts and um i don't mean to just like keep harping on it but the stuff we've talked about recently from the sacramento king's office uh, offense all the way through to the quote-unquote stampede, 45 cuts, just like uh, attacking closeouts. 
th- these are sort of curveballs, the, the zigging and zagging to a stationary defense or to a stationary offense and the defensive tactics used to guard that stationary offense. And that means that like, if you're a seven foot drop center and you're guarding the paint in one part of the play and you swing it to the wing, it's not as basic as just like have a decent closeout on the three point shooter anymore, because half the time that guy is going to up fake and blow right by you and Lowry marketing right on someone's head. And so I think it's, it's, all of these dynamics that it's like, it's not a massive thing. I wouldn't say like, oh, they're Cody rim protectors aren't even valuable anymore, but it's just, it chips away at the value a little bit, right? That that's sort of what I'm seeing. Okay. Because like the philosophy of drop defense is like, all right, you have no other option besides driving straight into me or pulling up from mid range. But now it's like, oh, actually we have option C, which is someone from the weak side is going to cut in and they're going to get a layup before you're even able to turn. So you know, I guess it sounds like you want a defender that's able to be a little bit more flexible, a little bit more malleable getting out on the perimeter while also protecting the rim. Yeah, yeah, I do. But also, it's not even as simple, I think, as option C. It's like, we're not just going to run vanilla, basic, two-man spread pick and roll with the other three guys stationary outside the arc. We're going to run you know, a a screen into a handoff, into a flare. We're going to run Spain pick and roll. We're going to have a guy stand under the hoop and confuse your big man and sprint out. I think it's all those things that contribute to to making it, um, you know, a continued kind of grind against the defensive value of that type of player. Okay, so where were we? We had uh, Carl Anthony Towns, Jared Allen, Brooke Lopez. Towns is an interesting one to me because, like, he's still a really good offensive player. Uh... I just don't love his defense relative to the other bigs that we listed in terms of like your typical star playoff level big. And also the there's always that kind of like decision making, you know, what's happening when when things are getting hectic. I don't know if it's never been a great situation in Minnesota. We we have this relationship with Minnesota on this show where we just cover them endlessly, but they're always like a 500 team. It's a, it's a very interesting relationship with the with the Wolves. We can't quit the Wolves. I would say last year we spent like so much time bringing up every other wolf. Like seriously, I think we brought up five Wolves players in this conversation. And this year, I think we're going to be a little more more tepid on them. I think Towns is really interesting because the statistical pro- profile it's unbelievable. Like you look at that, and if you just looked at that, you'd be like, "This is clearly one of the best offensive players in the league." And he still is a high-level offensive player. But this is one of those times where I'm looking at your database on ThinkingBasketball.net. The box creation and passer rating numbers are right up there, like near the top of the league. Some of the best from the bigs. But when I watch him, it doesn't quite translate. I don't know if you see, but he has this like bowling ball pass that he'll do sometimes. Like they send a double to him or or they get someone right up on him. And he's like, oh, I'm going to one hand like softball pitch this across the, the court and it's going to go out of bounds. And I'm like, I just, I don't quite see the creation numbers matching up, at, m- matching at, up with that. And if his passing and creation isn't quite to that level, yeah, the scoring is great, but it's not going to balloon him on its own to being this high level of a player because of his defense. Well, you've also had the fit issue that we've covered with Gobert this year, and I think it kind of reveals how, despite the fact that Towns doesn't seem to be a strong drop defender, um, so then you want to play him in like a hedge situation to kind of protect him, but then you're limited. You're kind of like stuck with him being in that hedge situation. And then offensively, he's also, I don't know how to describe this the best way, because I think pretty highly of him offensively, but 
he's not quite as versatile as some other players with his statistical profile, right? Mm-hmm. You like look at him and you're like, well, he's, he's a pretty good passer and he creates offense and he can attack closeouts and he's a ridiculously good shooter. And that's a great package. But um, if I'm kind of nitpicking, you know, the one thing in his statistical profile, Cody, that's different this year, and I think it has to do with the fit and the construction of the team, is that his on-off numbers, like his plus-minus numbers, don't look that good. So um, you, you add in the fact that it's uh, there's been some injuries this season, and he's only played 21 games, which the production part isn't a huge deal to me, but I'm just looking at Carl Anthony Towns going forward and wondering, you know, is this guy like a slam dunk top 25 player moving forward in my head yeah i think he's i'm gonna go on the sub all-star side of the line okay i really you know for my own personal for my own personal benefit i want this tim rolf's team to be good because i was i was really out there supporting the gobert trade when it happened and it that that take just looks worse and worse as every day goes by well uh speaking of personal benefit um i i'm not sure there are many people in the world at this point who sing the praises more loudly of this player on the court than Draymond Green over the years. And uh, I, I I think he's not been in the same condition that I've liked to see in the past. I don't think, like last year, he was in just an amazing shape and just flying all over the court. And just, just put, force, put forth a tour de force defensive season that I think is is criminally underrated. Like the basketball media and intelligentsia, to me, has has drop the ball like last year's Draymond Green Cody how many how many defensive seasons in the last decade do you think were better than that season wow last season yeah it's tough because I'm, I'm going straight to the playoffs where I really turned it on because the game by game I don't necessarily know if regular season Draymond is to that same level like I remember they had a lot of possessions like I remember watching a Blazers game last year where they just like started the set with Draymond on Lillard and it was like all right this is where we're gonna go and then we're gonna flow into everything else so man I, I don't I don't even know. That was me 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 uh, vamping, and I have no idea what the answer. That was you punting entirely yeah. on the question. You're not supposed to let them know at the end <laughs> that you're deflecting <laughs> that way. That's not how the the politics works. Um, I'm an honest man, Ben. I I think it was one of the best defensive seasons of the decade. The first mm-hmm. 30 games of the year when they were all healthy, flying around the court, the the performances throughout the playoffs and in the finals. But part of this also is as the league has continued to expand itself offensively that we keep talking about, Draymond's offensive warts, I think, continue to kind of get, you know, become more of an issue. Um, so I, I don't I don't know. There's part of me that wants to still say he's an all-star level player. I don't know how many all I think he's made, what, four all-star teams in real life? I've had him on like 37 all-star teams. I've had him as an all-star every year since 2015, and I think I'd have him on many all-NBA teams. I, I think he's, because of the nature of defense and passing, the two things he's really, really, really great at, and the way you know typical people perceive basketball at a distance, I just think he's just an unbelievably underrated player. Historically, we had him on my 75th anniversary team, but I feel like this might be the final... This might be the point. I don't know if I'm jumping the gun, but I'm like, okay, Draymond Green, you're on the, you're on the sub All Star side of things now. 
the uh, the offensive profile of Draymond really makes me a little bit nervous. We're talking about a guy that's scoring nine points per 75 plus 0.5 relative true shooting. And like you said, the passing game is usually enough to like really bring him up because when people talk about his offense, it's usually the shooting like you can't space him out because he's not going to consistently hit an open shot. But he's not creating as much for his teammates this year. And I know there's a lot more than the actual pass that leads to the basket. Connective tissue passing is there, but the actual volume of creating those open shots isn't quite there. And if you have that passing ability and it's not translating to direct baskets, I think he loses some value offensively there. So unless you right now think that he's having just another, like, I don't know, top five in the league defensive season, I'm a little more skeptical of this case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, should we talk about Rudy Gobert? <laughs> yeah. 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 There's just, just, there's just no, no, there's just no good way to have this conversation without, I think, without people uh, being angry one way or the other. Um, I will say this, Cody. I had, I had Gobert as my last sub All Star big man. Okay. I just, I just. I'm just not going to punt him into the sun yet. And if you're saying like, if you're saying like, well, we talked about Jared Allen, we talked about Brooke Lopez. Um, what about someone like Rob Williams? Yeah, I think a healthy Rob Williams Time Lord archetype that we saw flashes of last season in Boston. I think that's in this range. Absolutely. But Gobert to me is a little slower than he, he's been in the past. And then you have the changes in the league that we talked about. And... Um, you know, what's interesting about this is the changes in the league also influence the offensive side of the ball, as we discussed. And so I think maybe that bleeds a little bit more value on offense. And I could have gone either way. Honestly, I really could have gone either way. But he was my I'm I'm skipping three players, but he was my last big that that I included. Again, a guy that is scoring well is a rim roller. Like, he's a good finisher, and I know people make a lot of his hands. He doesn't always catch the ball, but it's honestly not, like, first percentile hands. Like, he can still catch the ball and dunk, and he can grab offensive rebounds and dunk, and he does that pretty well. And defensively, like, the rim protection numbers are still there. Uh, the actual volume of shots he's protecting at the rim are a little down. And, yeah, when I watch him, it just feels like there's more where I'm like, Three years ago, Rudy would have been contesting that a little bit more. But right. sometimes yep. he'll stay at home at the big, trying yep. to prevent either like a laydown or a lob. And I'm like, ah, I would, I would have liked to see you go for that one. Um, I'm going to name the last three guys in this category. You tell me if there's one you want to talk about. There is one that I think is similar to the bigs we've been discussing. Julius Randle, Kristaps mm-hmm. Porzingis, and Nick Claxton. Yes, we did it, Ben. He made we it. We did it. Oh, I, I had him written down. I, I can't I'm even sold. circle, but I've been circling on my computer screen that he better be on this list because uh, I'm sold. I'm oh. sold. I, I'm 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 slow. I, I I don't like to just automatically react to a nice 40 games, but I've seen enough from Claxton that I I really believe that he's a just really strong defender and he doesn't take stuff off the table offensively. And that's the reason why like like I think his style of play offensively is the reason why his true shooting percentage is 13 points ahead of the league because he's really athletic, can roll really well, can grab offensive rebounds really well, vertical threat in the dunker spot, basically doesn't doesn't try to do anything else. So we'll see what happens going forward, but I, I have, I'm a believer. Nick Claxton, do you want to talk about any of the other two guys? Yeah, uh, I'm actually interested – 
You want to have a Julius Randle conversation for a second? No, 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 no. no. (laughs) So so, so do you actually want to talk about the third guy? Do you want to talk about Porzingis instead? I wanted to move on or or (laughs) see if you had anything to say about Porzingis. Randle, go ahead. I'll give you the floor for Randle. He just just drove me nuts because honestly laying out the 50 or so players on this team, I just had Randle with this question mark at the end going back and forth. And I'm like, I don't think there's a single player on this team that I would really want Randall over that's that's what was so challenging for me the thing about Julius Randall is there's like two Julius Randalls and I think the good Julius Randall is pretty clear like an all-star player we're not even talking sub all-star I think he's an all-star player there's a Raptors game recently where the first this is one quarter but the first quarter was it the if, first quarter was it, it was, the first quarter it was the yeah. first quarter okay can I just jump in and say I've Please. been watching a ton of Knicks third and fourth quarters <laughs> because they're super exciting and first quarter Randall looks a lot different than fourth quarter Randall. So go ahead, continue first quarter. Yep. I was just going to say, if I plop down somebody like an alien came and I put this game on, I'm like, who's the best player in the league? Like that dude, right? The guy that's just like blowing by dudes and throwing people, throwing it down on people and getting into the paint and throwing lobs to Mitch Robinson, that guy, like whoever that is, he's incredible. And I think when he turns it on, like like you said, first quarter Randall, really good looking player, but then he kind of settles into not really a good rim protector can sometimes fall asleep on defense, really loves his pull-up jumper, really loves to get into hero ball situation. So that's really all I wanted to say. He can't really exploit mismatches. Like you put a guard on him and he's still like, I'm going to try and blow by you. There's not really a getting to my easy shot sort of thing. So uh, Julius Randle's just weird because there's like the, the, the two sides of him. I guess the hard part for me with Randle is if you put him in a playoff setting as like the number one, we mm-hmm. know it's, he's just, it's just unfair to him. That's just not the role he should have if you put him in a playoff setting as like the number two or three which maybe to some degree he's closer to now that Jalen Brunson's on the team in terms of like offensive hierarchy taking over games late I I just I still don't love it I feel like he's one of these players that I want him to be able to find a way to go down to 22 points plus five but I just don't know how you get the plus five and um you know, I, I don't know. He's he's very complicated. As I said, I don't want to get stuck on on Julius Randle. Let's go to. You have more to say? There, there's a big that I didn't hear yet, and I, I just want to ask about him. So we can move on if you want, but I want to ask. Oh yeah, about no. Him. If there's a big, if there's a big you didn't hear yet, let's let's get to it. What do you think about Miles Turner? Um, I've had Miles Turner on this team before. I think some of the same things about rim protectors apply although i i think the guys on the team to me are better rim protectors and drop bigs just Mm -hmm. in terms of overall instinct and then his offensive game is interesting right because of the three-point shot i guess it's somewhat similar to porzingis but i had him a little bit behind these other guys okay I, i i just wanted to know what you were thinking of him and then walker kessler he didn't play enough minutes but he's on my radar ben He's on my. He's like a 99th percentile rim protector at the moment as a rookie in the minutes he's playing based off some of these metrics, and he's he's incredibly efficient when he scores, but doesn't play enough minutes. He was also on my radar, and if we're doing on the radar, um, I also thought, boy, you know, come playoff time, Al Horford's pretty good, so mm-hmm. I'll just I'll just leave that there. You okay. you you pick a category, Cody. Where do you want to go next? Um, let's go to the wings next. The wings, okay. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The wings. All-star wings for me. DeMar DeRozan. Uh, I, I put him as a wing here because of the way he plays defense. Luka Doncic. Kevin Durant. LeBron James. Jason Tatum. Jimmy Butler. Kawhi Leonard. Devin Booker. Pascal Siakam. Jalen Brown. And Paul George. Mm-hmm. Any... 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 Thing sound crazy there so far? I love that Jalen Brown has has made the jump to the All Star selection because I think he was a sub All Star last year. What do you we, think has we, changed to get to this point? Yeah, no. Well, we ta- I told he was one of those players last year that was like right on the line of going either way. Um, and I think if I if you asked me three months later, I would have pushed him over the line. Mm. So I, I I like just it's kind of what we talked about with marketing to some degree, but. The, the idea of Brown's game is off-ball game, attack closeouts. He's improved his handle a little bit, obviously, over the years. And then defensively, I think if I had to say, okay, what's, what's Jalen Brown's weakness defensively? It's sort of like off-ball defense and awareness. But his physical package, the, the capacity to pro- provide some rim protection as a 6'6 dude, his strength, his man defense, and how he can switch onto so many guys, like that holds up through all four rounds of the playoffs against the best teams. So I just think those kind of skills are good enough, not not just to be an all-star, but who start, who started in the East? Who was the starting East backcourt? Was it was it Halliburton and... Uh, Ky- Kyrie? Didn't he start? Was it? Isn't it Kyrie? I, I can't remember, but I just remember thinking like I could have, I could have Jalen Brown in, in there as a starter if those are the, the guards he's competing against. Um, anyway, sub all-stars in this category. And I don't, here's what we'll do for this category. I will list a player and you tell me if you want to talk about him. Okay. Let's do that. Okay. Mikhail Bridges. Ooh. Ooh. Can we pause? You don't think he should be a sub all-star? It doesn't feel he, he's like the epitome to me in my mind of a sub all-star, like a very sturdy quality Number three, number four, not good enough to be an all-star, but also, like, how are you going to build a team and get 55, 60 guys that you're like, oh, yeah, I definitely want that guy over Mikael Bridges. Okay. I love Mikael Bridges, and it might just be the fact that he's having a down year. Like, he, he's, he doesn't seem like he's holding up his end of the bargain of, like, the shot-making part of the 3 and D player. But he, because, because I feel like they're asking him to have more primacy with mm-hmm. some of the injuries, right? And he just he just can't do that. Okay. Yeah. That's good enough for me. Yeah. Um, okay. Aaron Gordon. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Uh, Desmond Bain. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No notes. <laughs> no notes. Um. Okay. Actually, I, I I'm going to keep going, but now I realize it's going to start getting very interesting. 
in the same vein as Carl Anthony Towns. This is a player who I've had as an all-star in the past, and I'm just like, I, I think the weakness is it's in the league these days, it's just your relative value is just a little bit lower. Bradley Beal. Ooh, yes. Yeah. No, I, I like this. I was I was interested with Beal because I thought, you know, I thought he actually had a case for being on a higher end of the sub-all-star. Yep. Like, every yep. time I watch him, this dude just doesn't stop moving. Right, I I think that if you were on a higher level team, I can see him fitting next to other high end players. Not because of the shooting, because I think we talked about even last year that he seems to be more consistently like a 34, 35% three point shooter as opposed to uh, what we all imagined him to be, which is like a 40% shooter. But he's in constant motion, and I think he can create a little bit. But you know, the defense is always the thing that brings him down. Yeah, I I I feel the exact same way. And then. You know, how much does that defense cost him versus the fact that I, I think his offensive skills are, are pretty, pretty legit. But in today's NBA, Cody, like having this level of offensive skill. So here's a player that that uh, are we in this? No, I want I was going to I was going to spoil something. I'll save mm. it for later. Ooh, OK. Um, OK, here's another one that I think I did. I have him as an all star last year. I can't remember. He's been a many time. He's been a many time sub all star, and I now, I now kind of like him as an all star. But he's been injured. He's been in and out of the lineup. There's been some uh, adjustment issues coming back. So we're gonna go back on the sub all star team with Brandon Ingram. Oh, okay. Let's talk about Ingram for a second. Did that throw you? You were surprised? No, because I I was having a whole conversation with myself about Ingram because I didn't quite know how to place him what what's your case for for scaling him back because I think last year he was actually a, a sub all-star I think in the past you had him on your all-star teams but I think he was a sub all-star last year if he was a sub all-star last year then he's always been a sub all-star I I have I have come around on Ingram I was lower on Ingram in the past so I would not have had him as an all-star but after last year's season after last year's postseason after the beginning of this season uh, there's a couple things with Ingram that I like. One, I do believe the shooting jump that he took when he went to New Orleans is completely legit. That dude is a flamethrower. He's an 88% free throw shooter this year in the last three seasons, 44% from three on his wide open threes, 40% on catch and shoot. He is weaker on pull-ups, which I don't love too many diets of the pull-up threes, but he actually spends more time in the mid-range, takes a ton of mid-range shots, 98th percentile this season on mid-range attempts. And I think he's kind of having a down year from the mid-range for me, based on his his shooting quality. Last season, for instance, he was 46% on a ton of mid-rangers. And right now he's 40%, which is kind of what I was saying about trying to feel out what to make of this season. But that mid-range game, Cody, that's like tough shot making city and as a secondary option to play off a, a megastar like Zion Williamson to go to that in the playoffs to go to that in the fourth quarter I think it was the game last night against New Orleans in, as of recording this Ingram's only been back from a toe injury for a couple games he was out for a really long period of time and in the fourth quarter last night against the Lakers he, he just yeah he like six mid-range shots in a row just to just to bury him in that stretch. And, the, and then the fact that like he's actually a pretty good passer too. So the, that package and his size, I think he can be a little bit overrated defensively. I, I do have some concerns about him defensively, but I think that whole package kind of has him in this range. And um, yeah, I've, I've, I've 
I've turned over the years. I've become more of an Ingram believer. Yeah, the passing game to me is the the main thing that's bumping up in the conversation. But to add a little bit more color to the mid-range conversation, uh, if you look just over the last two seasons, like this season and last season of all players that played 2,000 minutes, he has the second highest long mid-range. The percentage of his shots from long mid-range is second out of every player that qualifies there. And it's at a whopping 32%. So 32% of his shots are there. Number one is DeRozan, who's at 43, which... (laughs) that's just absurd and only three people total are above 30 percent chris paul is the other one that's above 30 but again when you talk about last year and you're open those numbers he's shooting about 43 percent from long mid-range there and you know when you look at these other guys that take a lot of long mid-range shots kevin durant 57 percent in that same time span seth curry 53 percent in that time same time span chris paul he's also up in the 53 percent range so for a guy that falls in love with that diet yeah that's gonna be there in the playoffs but is it going to be effective enough where it's going to help them more than hurt them? That's the thing that always that I wonder with him. I would like to see him get to the basket more instead of calling on that mid-range as much as he does. I, I, I think it is. I mean, you could say he could, he could get to the basket more, but he does have a good amount of drives. He's in the 91st percentile in league and drive in the league and drives. He's very efficient on his drives and he uses his size there really because he's just big. He's 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, he's got those big long beautiful strides with the scoop you know what what a little a little jelly fam can we yeah can, yes. yeah yeah uh, th- throwback to our our Nas Reed hour uh that we did recently so um I'm a believer okay a couple more couple more to discuss here um Anthony Edwards sub all-star yep did and you see t- <laughs> Well, he's tough because he's a young player, right? So young players, he to me, he had a really, really, really bumpy, almost disastrous start to the season. And now as things are stabilizing and there's been some injuries, he's coming along and, and he's playing more of that primacy role. But to me, it's still not clean enough on both ends. Defensive awareness, defensive lapses, and some of the decision-making and shot selection on offense. But it's tricky, Cody, because we're in the middle of a season with a really young player who has incredible sort of physical tools. And we know we're in the middle of some kind of ascension, probably. The question is, how high does that curve look like? How fast is it growing? So I'm going sub-all-star with him. So Anthony Edwards is in the same kind of category as John Morant, where it's just like, how do you stay in front of this guy? And that's the thing that I think carries over to the playoffs is it kind of doesn't matter like how good of a stopper you have. Like he's just going to blow by them. Like they were playing the Grizzlies recently. And, you know, everyone loves talking about Dylan Brooks and his strong man defense. And of course, Jaron Jackson is just a thinking basketball favorite for defensive player of the year right now. There's a play. Anthony Edwards catches it on the wing and Dylan Brooks is right there. He gives a little jab, blows straight by him, takes off like 10 feet from the rim and just posterizes Jaren. Like, it's not a huge posterization because Jaren, like, Jaren wanted nothing to do with that, like, business meeting, so he kind of, like, bowed out of it. But I watched that, I'm like, good lord. Like, if you're just pulling this off against, like, the Grizzlies right now with these two defensive guys, I mean, that in a nutshell is what what I can't quit about Anthony Edwards. Like, when you have that burst, that's just impossible to scheme against. And I don't necessarily care that, like, I don't even know what his best pass is this season. The defense, he can use his tools sometimes and really jump passing lanes and be, you know, he can really get into somebody because of his strength but he loses that awareness sometimes but that first step Ben it's unbelievable so one more player here Cody that I again another guy just went back and forth on 
back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then I ended up with, I'm like, all right, I, I guess I'll include him here on the wings. Um, and that is Andrew Wiggins, who I still kind of think is just basically the same player as last year. Regardless, he's missed a lot of time. There's been injury, but projecting and thinking forward and trying to watch the last couple games with him, I'm like, okay, I... I still think I got to have Wiggins here, but it was, it was, I went, like I said, I went back and forth. It was pretty close. It's interesting. He started on the all-star team last year. He, he was an all-star starter. He last was year. voted yeah, that, as that's, a... Yeah. That's just okay. like fan vote stuff. We had him, we had Wiggins last year, I believe. Yeah. Last year was his first appearance on the, uh, thinking basketball sub all-star team. We've done this for five years. So we, we do have a five time, so all star. We'll we'll get to him in a second. He is he is another one of these players like Lamar Odom who's inspired this, who's just consistently at this like top forty player in the league level in my head, but never quite good enough to cross over into the all stars. But before we get there, since we're on wings, I should say I want to give a special I want to give a special Danny Green shout out. And Ooh. the and the, the spirit the spirit here is that Danny Green is the kind of player who's like never really good enough to be a, a sub all-star, but also like his overall value as a role player, defender, three and D player takes nothing off the table is like right where you would think a sub all-star would start or kind of be. And he did that for so many years in his career. And so this year's Danny Green honorary mention goes to the evolutionary Danny Green, Contavious Caldwell Pope. That guy is awesome. Oh, please, please, please go off on him because I've been I've been hearing you bring up KCP for for a couple of weeks now. Just I'm going to give you the floor for him. Uh, his defense is phenomenal. His screen navigation is incredible. He can guard point guards. He can guard wings. He can stay in front of people. He knows how to rotate. He's shooting like 77 percent from downtown. He doesn't make poor decisions. He attacks closeouts and moves it and gets off it. Just a, just a splendid 3 and D player in 2023. And he gets to play with a guy who, if you, you know, you cut off ball and balance your three-point shooting uh, is like a layup slot machine. You just cut and hold your hand up and half the time the ball shows up and it's a layup. So yeah, that's, uh, that's my poem, my ode to KCP. Let me ask you a heuristic type of question. Okay. Cause there are some players that look good next to Jokic. They look very good. They mesh well with him. Do you think that's a, that's a good thing for their candidacy for sub all-star or do you detract them a little bit because it's so easy to play? So I could see it both ways. Either it's so easy to play for Jokic that everyone's going to look good there or you're going to look good there because you're a smart basketball player and know how to play off somebody that's a genius. Like where do you lean on that side of things? I think it's both. I think it depends on the player. I think with a player like Aaron Gordon, he's going to look way, way, way better playing next to Jokic as most people do. But then you kind of strip that away and you go, okay, well, what are the skill sets? What are the sort of instincts and, and things that he demonstrates on the court? And how would they translate next to other people, not just Jokic? And with Gordon, to me, that's why he's a sub all-star. I think uh, his ability to cut, um, rebound, flash into mismatches, shoot threes, and defend multiple positions is really good. Does he do any of those things at an elite level? Not to me. Oh, also, he's a nice he's a nice extra passer, Gordon. And I feel like Gordon has like picked that up from Jokic. He's like, oh, that's an easy behind the back pass that I could that I could adopt that I, I've noticed. So it's like there is a balancing act to me in my head. I think it it can cut both ways with certain players. Well, we're on 
wings. There are three more wings I want to discuss that I I did not have on the sub all star side of the line. Um, they Don't are. Hurt me. Don't hurt me, Ben. What? What? Who? There's, there's a. You know, I'm going to let you say some names, and then I'll I'll bring someone up. Oh, are you wondering where Chris Middleton is? No, actually, I'm not. Okay, I'm not. he's not even on my board. Is is that because he no. just hasn't played? Yeah, that's where I am on him. I didn't I didn't think about Chris Middleton. Yeah, really yeah, like he didn't literally didn't even hit any of my filters because he hasn't played much. Um, I guess we should have like an honorary injury mention. I've done that in the past when players are very injured because I, I I do like Chris Middleton. And I could certainly see him going forward being a strong sub all-star, if not pushing into the the all-star category as well. So I think we should mention him. But there's a couple other guys I wanted to mention. And I realize we forgot. We'll come back. If we, there's a big man or two that you want to discuss, we can do that. But yeah. for these wings, uh, Zach Levine, the knee injury. Mm. It's just like I, I've... I got to I got to Zach Levine All Star last year. I think we did a video on him. I think his three point. The, I what did I call him? Um, he had this slash slash and shoot and slash or something. He has this sort of great two two punch offense of like I'm going to just drill these pull up threes on you, or I'm going to take this super nuclear first step and glide to the bucket. And to me, the injuries have just really really slowed him down. I'm not comfortable saying he's a top fifty player right now. So okay, the, he fell on the side of sub all star. He's just off. oh no 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 he didn't. These are guys that did not make it. We're we're done with the wings. There's there's no more wings. Oh okay, we're gonna have to bring someone else up. But yeah, the Bulls players in general were, t- were tough for me because if you look at the minutes where DeRozan, Levine, and Vucevic are all on the court, their offensive rating is still below league average. Like it's like a one fourteen, and I'm like I just I don't know how to square that because when you look at each one of them individually, it just it doesn't really add up, and I don't necessarily know why. And so, yeah, I think I think that makes sense to leave Levine off it. Well, Vooch was the other one I wanted to mention. Like, similar things. I've had him as a sub-All-Star. I think in Orlando once, we had him on the All-Star side of the line many years ago. But it's just, I don't think any of those guys are playing particularly well right now. Um, so, yeah, those are the Bulls. Um, I think here's the big one to discuss. OG Ananobi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there are people out there who want him to make the all-star team. And I I like his defense. I think he's got some nice versatility. I feel like sometimes he's kind of the center for the Raptors, if that makes sense, even though they're all the same size and they're bigger players on the court. Like, he'll guard the five or he'll provide rim protection. But even though he's kind of a similar size, it's not like Draymond Green type of rim protection, his awareness to blow up plays defensively is not there for me at the same level as like a horizontal kind of defender. So I think you end up with like a really good defender. I think you end up with a defender that, especially if you were to slot, if you could cheat and slot him down at guard, you'd be like, okay, this is an all defensive, you know, I'm going to put my ballot together. I'm going to get, where's OG going to go? He could be on my second team or whatever. But I think when you compare him to the best defenders in the league, he's a, he's a level behind. And I actually kind of don't I don't dig his offensive process a lot. I I know he is a a solid three point shooter, um, but he takes like half of his threes from the corner. So that's never inherently a problem. But it you just have to realize that 
it is kind of like the P.J. Tucker thing where the player is going to want to sit in one of the corners and spot up in one of the corners versus naturally being able to flow, move, catch, come off screens, things like that. Um, overall, he's like 40% on wide open threes. But like I said, that that is a, a healthy diet of corner threes. And then just the rest of the game with like the passing um, – some of the deliberateness of the actions. I, I think, you know, I definitely considered him here. I definitely considered him here and I thought about him a lot, but I'm, I'm just not ready to, to move him into this class. So do you kind of see him in the same lineage as like, or in the same category of players like Mikhail Bridges and uh, Andrew Wiggins? Is that kind of where you're landing with what his style is? I, I think that's a, I think that's a very fair, I've never thought about that explicitly, but I think that's a very fair um, sort of, group to try to connect him like a connection to make with those styles or archetypes of players but then you think about take take mikhail um if they're comparable defensively i think bridges movement a little extra passing his sort of feel for screening and slipping all those things are faster and more vibrant and to me uh provide more value on better teams. And so that's where I think OG is falling a little short relative to maybe a similar type of player. And defensively, I almost see him as more of an Aaron Gordon type, where it's not necessarily like you can slot him down and protect the rim. I think he's a better defender than Aaron Gordon, but I think he's more of the uh, defender where he's flexible in the way that he can switch. Like he can guard somebody in the post. He can take the big guys like the Kevin Durant or the LeBrons of the world. He can guard kind of lower. But beyond that, like you said, he's not necessarily blowing up actions, though I do think his off-ball defense seems a little bit better this season. I watched a little bit more of him earlier in the season, so I don't know if that was like a blip at the beginning and things have changed. Um, I just love his thick boy driving, Ben. Like, when that guy goes to the rim, he's got this slow-paced, you know, throwing those quads everywhere, moving mountains, and it's not as effective as I'd like, but he's fun to watch to drive. He's he's a little bit different. Okay, last last two names to throw out in this category for me. Uh, Red Velvet, Kevin Herter, mm-hmm. I looked at kind of wondering how how sustainable and how strong that offense is going to be in a playoff setting. And then another one of these rising players that it's like, I think he's going to be here sooner rather than later. Uh, our old friend Franz Wagner. I was wondering. That's yeah. That's the guy that I maybe a little bit higher still. Maybe. So would you put him as a sub sub all star right now? I kind of think I would. Is that because you are a believer in his extremely stout defense? Like I just I just still don't have a feel for how good that defense is. But I mean, he's certainly when you stack him up against these guys, and I, like I said, I think he's going to be here very soon. So it's just one of these things for me where I'm looking at the growth of the player and trying to figure out the trajectory. Yeah, it's I think it's the creation thing that I really maybe I'm putting too much stock in his ability to create uh, off the bounce, like kind of a secondary action, getting into the paint, creating for other people. Because when we're talking about shooters, like he doesn't hold a candle to Herter. Like Herter is just a significantly better shooter and Wagner just isn't quite there yet. And defensively, he's obviously nowhere near like, you know, we talked about Mikhail Bridges or OG Ananobi. So I don't know. Maybe it's just like when I watch him, I'm like those passes on a high level team, I could see you slotting down and scaling back how much you're, you're shooting and you could still be a really good creator and open up space for other players. I don't know. I, th- I, I think Franz's that. threes. I think Franz's shooting has improved this throughout the season since we yeah. last discussed him. I think he and Herter actually have really similar multi-year shooting indicators. So, um, okay. It's only a kick. 
a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Last category. Can we can we pause and go back to the bigs for one second? Okay, sure. Yeah. There's a name that we didn't bring up at all, and I think it should probably be discussed. What about Evan Mobley? That? Evan Mobley. No, he's a... Evan Mobley, to me, is a sub-all-star. Did you say his name? No, I didn't uh. say his name. Now I'm very, I'm very confused about uh, what happened to my list here. This is why you're here, Cody. Yeah. <laughs> Good. The people aren't yes. going to be mad. I was I was just looking through it, and I'm like, Evan Mobley should be here. No, I would have Evan Mobley as a sub-all-star. Okay, good. Yeah, good. I think we've talked about this in the past. Same same things apply. Yeah. Whew. No notes. That's good. Moving on to the uh, <laughs> the smalls. Our last our last category. Here are the all-stars for me. This, this, by the way, this this group is just wild. How many of these players are like all-star-ish what do you do with them is it possible to have a league with 16 point guards who are in the all-star game um no particular order drew holiday of your milwaukee bucks shea gilgis alexander kyrie irving i do think when he plays is uh, definitely an all-star quality player john morant james harden donovan mitchell steph curry dame lillard by the way is just having a, a an absolute heater in the Pacific Northwest. I'm not sure how many people I hear talk. What am I saying? I don't listen to a lot of uh, <laughs> busy, busy watching a uh, Houston rocket Detroit piston games. What am I talking about? Um, where was I Dame Lillard? And then I think we get to the gray area and it just got harder and harder and harder. And I, and I don't know what to do with these guys. They're all young. Two of them are on the rise. One of them may be on the fall. I don't know what's happening. How is this going to sound in uh, three years, one year? How's this going to sound in three months? I have no idea. But these three guys are all on the radar here. They're all playing sort of, um, to me, at this quality, statistically in this range. And I just, I think I'm going to go with all of them on the all-star side of the line. Tyrese Halliburton... Darius Garland, who I think has actually been a little bit better than than last year, and Trey Young. Okay, yeah. You wanted you wanted to boot Trey Young out based on your facial expression. I didn't. I was actually I was actually happy you said Trey Young. I was I was afraid we might get into it, but I think that uh, you know he's Trey Young. I don't I don't know what else we have to say about him. He has he has full control of the ball. He's just a ridiculous passer shooting percentages down but he's still man I, I don't know the offense doesn't look good but I don't know if he looks I don't know if he looks different from past seasons which is the thing that I can't get over right like do you, do you agree with that sort of yeah mm -hmm. I mean there's the fit with Murray there's a different coaching system than what he's had in some of the past seasons some of the personnel is a little different um he's, here's my question here's my question with Trey Young Let's let's smoke our basketball pipe and think about this together. In two or three years, if the league continues in this direction and Trey Young were traded to a team, I'm just going to assume 
Atlanta's not going to land a bunch of free agents and nail the draft. Okay, either way. Maybe let's say he's in Atlanta, he's on another team. doesn't matter to me. Trey Young's on a team with two or three other nice players that we're talking about on this list. And the team is good. And we're like, we know this team is good. This is a f- one of the five or six best teams in the NBA. Maybe they're an inner circle title contender. Maybe they're not. What do Trey Young's numbers look like? And what is his role on that team. In other words, is there a pathway going forward for this helio, this extreme helio style ball that he's been playing where, you know, he literally has the ball for like 50% of the time, according to tracking data, mimicking what Luka Doncic is doing, except he's not 6'8". He's, he's really, really leaky and a problem defensively. He's more idle off ball. He's not a 40-something percent three-point, you know. He's a, he's a good shooter. He's a good shooter. His open threes are 40%, but he's not 45%. He's not 46%. What does that look like? It reminds me a little of the conversation we had in our summer series on the top careers from last year with Allen Iverson and Tony Parker and putting these guys in different situations. I just can't figure that out. And when you combine that with his defense... By the way, I've never been someone who's like, Trey Young's a top 15 player. I was never there. So to me, it's like, what, what, what is that? What does that look like? So I don't know if this hypothetical helps at all. But when I think about modern players, you know, not Luka Doncic, because they do seem kind of the same. But I think about Russell Westbrook in like the mid-2010s. All right? And some of the best teams that we saw during the 2010s were those Thunder teams when we had prime Russell Westbrook, when we had prime Kevin Durant. And, you know, I'm not going to say that the fit was perfect. Like, there were plenty of times where you saw that and you're like, man, I, I would rather both of these guys play with someone else. But together, they were still able to get to those heights. I don't know if that's a thing where Russell Westbrook was able to mesh a bit. I don't know if Kevin Durant is kind of a cheat code in this conversation because he can function as this hybrid guy. But I'm imagining, like, what would happen if you had had Trey Young, or if you have Trey Young next to somebody like Kevin Durant, like, would they be able to coexist and have a high-level team? Is that even, like, a question that's useful in this conversation? I don't know. That's, I think, that kind of hybrid player or off-ball player is always where your where your mind goes with someone who's really ball-dominant. Russell Westbrook in 2016, for the totality of the season, had the ball 42% of the time, according to tracking data. As I said, Young has been up near 50% before. Um, these are these are insane numbers. Like mo- like most high volume players in the league might be in the 30% or something like that. Just literally meaning when the guy when the team has the ball on offense, he's holding the ball for half the time. But Russell Westbrook, Cody, in 2016. He was in the 97th percentile in drives, very efficient driver, and and he's able to use that athleticism um, despite some of his defensive shortcomings, still provide, like, he fit right in on this really athletic, switchy, rangy team, and so you have all that rim pressure, and I don't think you have the same question marks that you have on defense. If you go back to Trey Young, this season, for instance, Trey Young, when you look at uh, drives per 36. It's very similar, but the efficiency is way down. Like he's a 50th percentile efficiency guy, whereas Westbrook's putting all that volume on the rim at like 80 or 90th percentile finishing. So I, that's where I wonder if the, it's an interesting thought experiment, but you know, 
maybe all you're getting at is the fact that Russell Westbrook in his peak was just a better player than than Trey Young, and you would just scale that back. Yeah, and I think especially when you think about the ways that they drive, like I'm. I bet you the rim attempts would probably be a little bit different because, you know, the athletic difference between those two is ridiculous. Like Westbrook was putting his head near the rim and just throwing it down on folks. And Trey, he doesn't have those athletic gifts. He kind of has to float it up and uses his guile to try and sneak it up around big guys. And I think sometimes that that hurts him. His burst is incredible. Like he's able to get into the paint and kick it out and whatnot. But man, that's a really interesting. The thing that's odd about Trey, though, is the the impact metrics love him, Ben. Like, you go down the line, he looks like a very good player, which is, you know, obvious. Like, he's an incredible passer, and he can score the ball. I don't know. Uh, I think he still probably belongs in this all-star realm, but I don't know how much higher he is than being an all-star. I, I, would, I don't think they love him. I think that's part of the issue. I think if you look at his offensive impact metrics, of course, they say, this is one of the best offensive players in the league. If you look at his defensive impact metrics, they say, this is one of the worst defensive players in the league. And the the totality of that is a guy who is probably in this range when you stack him up to other players. You're like, mm, he kind of could be an all-star. Yeah, if you said Trey Young's an all-star, yeah, okay, that statistical profile makes sense. If you also said, eh, maybe, maybe, just, maybe just short, um, you know, we're talking like, 80th to 90th percentile in a lot of his major one number impact metrics what about his teammate I don't know what to do with him I don't know what to do with DeJounte Murray I think the weirdest thing about DeJounte Murray this year it's I think his rim attempts are just like the lowest they've ever been by an enormous margin like he's usually like taking about 25 percent of his shots or so from from the at the rim and this year it was down to like 16 percent or 15 or 14 percent and that can't just be Trey Young because if you look at the minutes when Trey Young is off the court they only go up to like 17 percent of his shots come at the rim so again I don't know if there's this thing with the system for the Atlanta Hawks that the the guards are using but he's just last year we harped on the fact that he maybe settles for that jumper too much and I think he's just taking more threes like he's almost traded that that drive that rim attempt for a three-point shot which for a player that's not a great shooter I don't love that because I think that he adds a lot of value through his drives and his passing ability because he's really a fantastic passer uh, when he's able to blow by players but he still stops too short he still pulls up on that mid-range a little bit more than I'd like uh defensively yeah he's he's still good Right. Like, I don't Do you think he's like an all defensive category guard right now? I, I don't know what to think about him in his totality. I, that's the thing. I don't think so. I think he's a good defender. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would call him an all deep. I mean, literally, that's top four guard defender. Is he like a top 10 or 15 guard defender? I think so. Yeah. But I feel like there are guards that I would rather have in front of him defensively. So that's some impact, but it's not a ton and then offensively, I just I kind of don't know what to make of them make of him because I've never really loved his offensive game mm-hmm. in the first place. So I, I I'm I'm gonna leave him in. I'm gonna leave him in. I had him in last year. Oh, I'm gonna leave it, him in in the All Star category. No, in the sub All Star oh, category. Goodness, no, okay. I, I didn't have him as I've never had him as an All Star. Got nervous yeah. there. Ooh. No, I, I'm saying I literally don't know what to do with him on the sub All Star team. Okay. Um, I'm gonna leave him in. Other okay. sub All Stars. De'Aaron Fox, to me, not quite an all-star. Why? Well, I guess why would he be an all-star? I mean, the blazing speed, able to get into the paint. I think he plays off 
these other offensive players pretty well, where they're able to have these just ridiculous offensive numbers. I mean, do they still have the best offense in the NBA right now? I think that's, that's pretty solid. And I know Sabonis and Herder and whatnot play each other well, but he adds this like offensive juice that they don't have. His shooting's improved this season. I don't know if that's a blip. Right. I don't know if that's going to be carrying over the passing leaves some to be desired for a player that plays at that position. But uh, that scoring game and I guess defensively, I don't know if he's a clear negative. He's I don't think he's much of a positive. But when you put all of that together with his offensive package, I think it looks like a pretty good player. OK, I completely agree. Now take that player and just make him a little bit worse because of what happens in the postseason when he's a little too left handed dominant to me so there's some predictability there and then some of the sort of ways he gets into the mid-range or three-point shot um i'm not a believer i I think i'm a believer that his shot has improved but i think when you put it under the pressure cooker kind of like what happened to julius randall a couple years ago to some degree although he was overtaxed being the number one guy just from my eye I just feel like you take the, exactly what you said about Fox and you just scale it back just a little bit and he falls just on the other side of the line because I don't think I don't think right now uh, he's a, he's sort of a difference maker defensively. I don't think that's a positive thing. So it's, I kind of like, I think we're in total agreement okay. here. I, I just have a few reservations about the, the way he gets into it in the half court, the passing, the decision making um, at the playoff level when, when we get there. I accept that. That's good. Okay. Um, Five-time thinking basketball sub-all-star. Marcus Smart. He's done it. He's continued to to hold up his streak. I wasn't sure if this would be the year that broke the seal, but I, I, I still think he's there. This is one of those guys that, like, I don't necessarily want to go off this season's numbers and whatnot that I'm seeing. I've seen it in the playoffs. Like, he is a great playoff performer and I'm convinced that when they get to the playoffs he's going to be able to ramp that up so maybe I don't know do you call that unfair who knows he's still a tremendous passer the scoring is not great necessarily but the it's defense never, it's never been great though the scoring's no. never been great that's the thing like you you have the fact that you have a great defensive guard much like Drew Holiday one of the one of the best defensive guards um that we've seen sort of of this generation probably uh and then the the smart you know smart point guard smart just the fact that he is a very good passer and helps kind of stir that drink a little bit offensively and then of course the shooting improving over the years to the point where like he's at least a 37 percent wide open three-point shooter I think you put that in a playoff environment um, you can switch one through five etc etc I just I still think it's there what do you think his defense looks like this year compared to last year uh, in the regular season so far, it has not been okay. as, um, what's the right word? It has not popped for me as much when I watch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. That. That's why I said I, 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 this is the, I had some reservations and I just still feel like this is, this is the right call here. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll let you take him then. <sighs> okay, Cody. Now, now it gets really, really hard for the smalls. Um, another reason why I'm just like, what are we going to do? Have 12, what are we going to do? Have 12 all-star smalls and no sub all-stars. I mean, this just feels like indexing on the idea that these offensive numbers are exploding. And if you are a guy that has the ball in your hands and you're sort of a lead guard, you're going to have, Oh, you know, 20 something points and all these assists and all these shots created. It's like, that's the norm. So to me, that's why I got to like Halliburton, 
Garland, Trey Young, Fox. I'm like, I don't know what to do with those guys. We'll go Fox, sub-all-star, the rest, all-star. And then I think my last, unless I'm forgetting someone like the Evan Mobley situation, I think my last sub-all-star, like, I got two more to mention, but I got my last, like, this guy I'm putting in and I feel pretty good about it. I think I'm going Jalen Brunson, sub-all-star. Okay. Yeah. I like that. We talked about Brunson last time. You know, a little yeah, bit of we, we, Brunson. We don't, need to reha- we don't need to rehash it. I think I think his the short of it is his his offensive primacy that he can provide against high level defenses might not be the greatest thing in the world, but I think it's good enough uh, to get you value and help you in many situations as a one or a two or a guy coming off the bench. Like he uh, he came off the bench most of the time in Dallas, right? I can't even remember that far. I think so. Yeah, I think so. But um, we talked about him last week if you want to check that out. Okay, now I have two special mentions in this category. I have, I have what, I've done this before. I have to do it again. This is the, the old age mention. Um, I don't know if Chris Paul were just sending him straight to Al Horford land, but I'm like, man, when we get to the playoffs, pretty sure Chris Paul's still, still going to be a sub-all-star. I thought about Chris Paul for a while. I'm trying to pull up some stuff that I said about him. Because what's really interesting is I I like making these statistical categories and lumping these players together and thinking, like, how do I feel about them? So he is in in your database, right? Box creation, the number of shots you create, open shots you create for teammates every 100 possessions, right? And then passer rating, of course. Like, how good of a passer are you? What's the quality of those passes you're making? There's 14 players that have uh, a box creation of 10-plus and a passer rating of 7-plus right? He's one of them, okay? And I think most of the players on that list have been mentioned already. I think there's a couple maybe we'll get to still. But when I look at the scoring game, like, I don't know. I think that's something that might have started falling apart in the playoffs. It has started becoming a little bit easier to scheme for, I'm going to try and stake my way to the elbow and take a jumper there. I don't necessarily know how much value he's getting from the scoring, but when I look at that passing game, I wonder, like, how much value are you getting from there? And then how good of a defender are you at this point? Are you just neutral on defense? And I think that's really the key for the Chris Paul conversation. Yeah, I think he's still better than neutral. I think he's slow rolling right now. I think he's kind of pacing himself. And uh, his ability to read the game and communicate and use his body and put himself in good position, I think, is still there. So, look, I think if Chris Paul had still had the the juice left in the chamber that we saw before his 37th birthday last year, we would be talking about him here as maybe being an all star instead. But so I do think he's lost. Like, I I do think we're on the downward trajectory. I do think we're on the cliff a little bit. Mm -hmm. But when you go, okay, he could put more effort in. He could ramp up. There's a couple games in his series. Like, six-game series, you get, like, two or three good Chris Paul games. I I think that's still a sub-all-star. I don't know. I just need to put it out there. So he's he's on the edge, Ben. So Chris Paul might be on the cliff, Paul, at this point. I see what you did. Um, <laughs> Anyone else? Yes, there's one more player I have to mention because I just can't get over. I can't. I can't not mention him and his skill set. And I, 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 I don't know if he should be on the team or not. But I think we have to just acknowledge Lamelo Ball. To me, is in this category of player. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, we're talking about an absurd creator and passer. Like we talked about that box creation and pass rating. He's like a 12 box creation and like a pass rating of like 9.3. Like those are unbelievable numbers. And you can see it like when he gets the ball on the string and he gets into the paint, incredible laydown passer. He can make cross-court passes with either hand. Just a great passer. But man, shot selection, the defense, those are things I do not like about this player, Benjamin. Okay. Okay. Curveball time, Cody. Oh, curveball yes. time. I'm going I'm going DeJounte Murray out. 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 Okay. Based on the conversation we have, because I need there's only room for one Murray. And I gotta put another Murray in here. <laughs> I was wondering. And that's Jamal Murray. Yes. Yes. And if we're being totally transparent, as we always are on this show, with all of you who are so kind to support us and listen all the time. I definitely read Murray and thought it was DeJounte, but it's Jamal Murray in my notes. Jamal Murray, and Jamal Murray is coming back to form after being out for such a long time. You're starting to see it. He had a 40-piece this week. The two-man game, the shot, the confidence, the physicality. I think Jamal Murray can ascend all the way into the all-star category easily by the time this season is over in June, but... Right now, we'll just play it safe. We won't do anything crazy. We won't invoke any Jamal Murray bubble madness. And to me, he's in this group, sub-all-star. Cody, thoughts on that? And have I left anyone out before we recap the team? I was just about to say, like Jamal Murray, he's been steadily improving throughout the season. He's starting to look better and better. And I know you just said we're not invoking the bubble, but Ben, the bubble, the bubble gives him a little bit of a pass. Like if we're talking about players we want to have on our team in the playoffs, I can't not watch that and be like, nah, nah, he's not going to come back. No, I believe in him so much more than I would believe in a lot of these other players that were left off. So I think this is a very fair selection for the sub all-star team. Okay. Shall we recap? Yeah. Let me, I'm, I'm scanning quickly. So if you want to start recapping, I'm just going to, I'm going to look at some names. Okay. The smalls we ended up having in, uh, at the all-star level, uh, Drew Holiday, Shea, Kyrie, John Morant, James Harden, Donovan Mitchell, Steph Curry, Dame Lillard, Tyrese Halliburton, Darius Garland, Trey Young. The sub-all-stars in the small category, De'Aaron Fox, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brunson, Jamal Murray, and a, and a special little nod to LaMelo Ball. I can't, I can't, can't leave him off. The Wings... All-star wings, DeMar DeRozan, Luka Doncic, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard, Devin Booker, Pascal Siakam, Jalen Brown, Paul George, the sub-all-star wings, Mikhail Bridges, Aaron Gordon, Desmond Bain, Bradley Beal, Brandon Ingram, Anthony Edwards, Andrew Wiggins, and for the bigs, all-stars, Jokic, Embiid, AD, Giannis, Zion, Sabonis, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Bam Adebayo, and the sub All Stars: Lowry Marketing, Carl Anthony Towns, Jared Allen, Brooke Lopez, Draymond Green, Kristaps Porzingis, Nick Claxton, Julius Randle, Rudy Gobert, and Evan Mobley. Yeah, that's good. I, I have two names I want to bring up. That just we don't have to talk about them, right? You can just say yes or no, and we can move on. Two names that I had highlighted to maybe discuss. One player we talked about, seeing him make it to a finals team. Flexible defensive player, good finisher, and I want to know if he's really dropped off this much this season that you left him off. Uh, DeAndre Ayton. 
What are you thinking about DeAndre in this season? Uh, I think he's pretty close. Okay. I think I think he's a little worse than he was last year. I think that situation in Phoenix is is a little bit of a disaster. Um, but yeah, I think I think he's I think he's pretty close. Okay. Another guy, another guy who to me has dropped off. He just looks injured, just not moving quite as well. Fred Van Vliet, mm-hmm. we had in the past. Um, another player I've had on this team in the past who I considered strongly. But I just when you stack them up against the smalls, I think I would rather have all the smalls ahead of him, and that's Malcolm Brogdon, mm-hmm. your old friend in Milwaukee. He's playing really well off the bench in Boston. And there's one more guy I want to mention that I that I thought long and hard about, but I just don't know if he's there physically or mentally on the offensive side. But man, do I like his defense on a playoff team, and that's Ben Simmons. Ooh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think his I think his offensive game is if you if you look at where he was like two years ago compared to today, it, it's it's a it's a pretty severe drop off. And of yeah. course, Ben Simmons two years ago was closer to like an all star type player. Um, but I did I did kind of think about him and and what he provides. But right now his offensive game, I just don't have any confidence in it. Yeah, I think it's a fair assessment because defensively he looks he looks pretty good. Looks pretty the, good. He looks yeah. pretty good defensively. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, if you want to support this show directly, check out patreon.com slash thinking basketball. That's where we get all of the st- most, if not all of the stats, I should say, throughout this episode on our thinkingbasketball.net board for Patreon subscribers, patreon.com slash thinking basketball. We have those on players and teams that update daily throughout the season. We also have a Discord community uh, with a live Q&A. We have extra content that you can access, and that is the best way to directly support this show. Thanks, as always, for listening. I cannot believe that we've been doing this for five years. Uh, That is all thanks to you listening at home and tweeting and making threads about us and sharing our work on the internet and continuing to support us directly. So an an immense thank you from myself and everyone here at Thinking Basketball. And as always, wherever you're listening to this one, I hope you are having a great day.